ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. There are so many dogs in this app. Every single person I see on this app has a dog. Look, I'm in my kitchen with Mel, my good friend and dating sidekick who you met last time. She's been in the trenches or the sunny meadows, if you like, of various apps for a while. And she seems to have a lot of fun. So we're digging into a gourmet veggie dinner that we've made and trawling through potential dates online. Some people put their entire naked torsos on there. There's one guy some picture of his <laughs> butt crack in board shorts. I'm like, why would you? Okay. It feels a bit like we're scrolling for a new toaster or a pair of jeans more than an actual human lover. It's really easy to be swayed by how they look. But where are the independent reviews? I'm not sure about the quality control here, to be honest. There are a lot of dogs, motorbikes, boats, people holding fish, pics of people's kids, and shots of landscapes. I would rather see photos of your face, but sure, show me where you like to bushwalk. I was looking through this with a friend the other night, having a big kind of heartfelt, oh my God, how do I do this and what is happening and why is this so hard? And she was just going through and going, nope, nope, nope. I'm like, I haven't even looked at him yet. She's like, his eyebrows are bad. (laughs) Yep, that's how we're talking about actual people with hopes and dreams and failures and favourite snacks. And it's not like my eyebrows are anything to write home about. There's no way my profile pics show the whole me. The thing that always strikes me and makes me feel quite sad about dating apps is how you then refer to people by these really awful monikers like weird eyebrow guy. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm weird eyebrow guy to someone out there. I can only imagine someone within my 15K radius, aged 45 to 55, is seeing my photo and paragraph pop up in his little catalogue and doing the same. I'm middle-aged, midlife crisis rollerblade woman. <laughs> That's what I've got on my profile. I'm Hilary Harper, and this is Dated, a guide for those of us who are returning to the dating scene after years or decades and finding the world of apps foreign and intimidating. In the first episode, I shared with you the struggles around my marriage breaking down and battling the fear of getting back on the dating horse. I downloaded my first dating app, something I'd been putting off for quite a while, and I figured out what I want from a relationship. Well, vaguely, at least. But now, I need to figure out the how. I expected to be jumping back on the dating horse, but it's more like a dating spaceship. Choosing profile photos, getting the chat right, nailing a first date, it's a lot. I don't know how to pilot this thing. So in this episode, I'm gonna get some help from friends and experts and see if I can make a match. How do we find a real connection in this century, at this age, with these strange new online tools? Well, let's oil the hinges, light the tinder, and bumble through this together. If you're coming out of a long-term relationship or a marriage, like me, it might have been decades since you were last single. And back then, we didn't even really date per se, not in the way we do now. You met at parties or through family or friends or workplaces or beer goggles. People still do all that, of course. But now we have dating apps where you put up a little ad spruiking yourself for coffee dates that are more like interviewing a stranger for the job of partner. 
I mean, yes, some form of romantic classified ad has been around for a long time. You used to see those newspaper misconnections columns or personal ads, you know, if you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. But they used to feel like the last bastion of the romantically desperate, not the first step out of singledom. Online dating did for a while there too. I used to look at that and think, no way, not for me. But in 2012, Tinder was born. And it made the hunt for love simple, accessible and fun at first, or so my younger colleagues tell me. You'd put up some pictures, write as much or as little about yourself as you liked and start swiping, hot to the right, not to the left. It was almost like a game, however you might feel about that. People felt pretty good about that, as it turns out. Within two years, the app was seeing a billion swipes and 12 million matches per day. Cue a deluge of similar apps hitting the market, all with a slightly different hook, but the same basic mechanic. See profile, match, chat. A third of Australians who met their partners in 2019 did so on a dating app, and about two-thirds of people looking for love are doing it on the apps now. And on my hunt for someone special, I couldn't write off two-thirds of my options, right? But I have to say... This endless marketplace of people is pretty overwhelming. I can't shake that awkward, desperate, vulnerable feeling that comes with it all and all that rejection. That's one reason it took me so long to dive back in. Lisa Portolan has talked to a lot of hopeful online daters about their experiences because she's completing her PhD on intimacy on dating apps, which feels a bit like a contradiction. And she says for people like me, who are Gen Xs and older, all of this change has been a shock to the system. There's definitely some generational things that are at play here. So this cohort of people, um, you know, 40s and 50s, there were diverse groups within that age range. So I would call some of them early adopters. People within that mix that really threw themselves wholeheartedly within the uh, dating apps domain. They had a strategy in place. They they treat love and relationships from a business perspective as well. So they'll kind of be, well, if I'm on the dating apps and I'm swiping furiously and I've got the numbers up and I'm talking to 10 people at the same time, then something's going to come through. They're on there doing their very utmost to get a relationship up and running. And then on the other side of things, there were people within their 40s and 50s that just couldn't get there, that it was a huge leap for them in terms of getting onto the dating apps. They just couldn't gather a sense of embodiment from that other person. So they need to sort of feel, smell, touch, um, you know, have that sort of physical interaction with that person to actually be able to gather whether or not there's an intimacy happening. I know exactly what Lisa means. I need that sense of embodiment, who the real person is. My ideal way of meeting someone would be at the supermarket, reaching for the same slab of brie, our fingers brush, we strike up a conversation about decadent toasties or something, and boom, romance. But that's tricky these days. When I shop, it's more like a military operation than a leisurely stroll through the cheese aisle. And actually, I don't know how I'd feel if some random person started hitting on me in the supermarket. What if I didn't like them? I'd have to find a new supermarket. And I've just worked out where they keep the best brie. Lisa says, now that we have the apps, we're just not used to doing things the organic, old-fashioned way anymore. 
people do kind of feel resigned to it. A lot of people would say, look, I'd love to have that Jennifer Aniston or J-Lo rom-com meeting with someone out there, but I'm just not that type of person. I don't really look like them. You know, I'm not that charismatic. So they think, oh, I'm not the type of person that deserves the type of rom-com ending that happens in a face-to-face environment. I'm the type of person that unfortunately is a little bit mundane and needs to join a dating app, which is interesting because all of these people thought the same thing, right? So it's not like they were particularly mundane or anything like that. They all thought the same thing. And it's funny that you mentioned the supermarket anecdote because there was a gentleman actually in one of my groups who was in his 30s and he said this exact thing. He said, you know, uh, it's not like I'm going to meet someone down at Woolies. And even if I did see someone that caught my attention at Woolies, it's kind of creepy if I go up to them in the uh, cereal aisle and start a bit of a chat, right? So it's not going to happen. This is my only option. So people were kind of resigned to this world. Yeah, I'm resigned too. But at the same time, it is pretty nice to be able to browse all the eligible singles in your city from the comfort of your couch. I find that even though there's an air of desperation about the apps, there's also a sense of purpose. We know what we're doing there, and I'm less likely to accidentally hit up someone with an incompatible sexual orientation or who's married. And honestly, having a very busy life, kids with special needs, an intense job, and less energy than I had in my 20s, something a bit more targeted is pretty appealing. So I open up the app again and make a new profile. Wow, there are so few photos of me. I'm always taking photos of the kids, I guess. Okay, here's one of me paddleboarding that one time. I guess it shows I'm active. Here's one of me with my Halloween costume. I pinned a graph of rising interest rates to my shirt. Look, I have a sense of humour. Oh, here's one of me smiling hugely at a giant ice cream. I guess that's representative. And here's a grand total of one full-length one of me in my silver miniskirt and high heels, which happened for about 10 minutes until they hurt my feet and I had to sit down. Ugh, now I have to write something in my bio. Hillary, you write every day for a living. You can do this. Wow, it is so hard to write something that gives a sense of who you are but also might appeal to different kinds of people. So hard. I put in something about being bookish and being a kind of mixed lolly bag of a human being, which importantly shows that I'm really, really daggy. Truth in advertising, very important. Okay, I'm live. So I guess I just wait and see who might be out there. Okay, I've been obsessively scrolling through the app. Some people look interesting, but you just can't really tell anything about them. Everything's a bit flat and affectless. I kind of want to go out and see people live and in person and see how they talk and smile and move and relate to their friends. But this is what we have right now. So this is what I'm using. So, you know, based on a few snippets of text and a few random photos, you try and work out whether you might potentially have a connection with someone. And yeah, a friend suggests I just, you know, start chats with people and then immediately, as soon as you can, get off the app, meet them so you can tell if there's any sort of connection forming. But uh, my childcare arrangements make that quite tricky. So I feel like I'm trying to be careful and, and work out, you know, whether whether there is some potential there before I click like. Let's see how that goes.
really, when you think about it, dating apps are very two-dimensional. We've got some words and we've got some images, but we certainly don't have that person's energy. Yep, it's tough. That's sex therapist Tanya Coons. She knows dating apps can feel pretty shallow, but they offer a lot of potential connections. So to avoid falling into the trap of pointless matches, it helps to have a sense of what you're looking for and an eye for the right clues in people's profiles. I think they are a bit vague. And then you've also got to realise that not everybody looks at the boxes that you check. There are a whole bunch of folks out there that just look at the pretty pictures and click or swipe right. So it's good for you to know what you're looking for. So you can put it through your own filters and and be thinking, how's this person for me? You know, am I looking for somebody who makes me laugh? Are they funny or are they deadly serious? Uh, Am I looking for someone who tickles the grey cells? Am I looking for someone who's very flirty? Have a bit of an idea because how are you going to know if you found the right person for you for this particular project if you're not sure what the parameters of the project are? So, Hill, that means you have to figure out what you want and actually talk to people. You also want to know if somebody's not using up all their best material in the first chat. So I would recommend having a few chats and just seeing how people are. Because sometimes people warm up because they're nervous. Sometimes people are not good if you're doing the sort of texty things. You know, I've had so many people sort of say to me over the years, I've got fat thumbs, I don't like typing, but I'm really great if we could have a bit of a chat or leave voice messages. So you sort of feel around and see how you feel, what's the best way for you to communicate, but also check in with the person you've made contact with because not everybody's a fantastic written uh, person or not everyone's a fantastic spoken person. I'm finding it challenging knowing basically nothing about these strangers that I'm hoping to make an intimate connection with. And I know I need to get to know them, but it feels like work, overwhelming work. Wasn't this meant to be more convenient? Couples counsellor and relationships researcher Dr Jerry Karansis says that's a trap a lot of hopeful online daters fall into. One of the things that people need to be aware of and understand that that, that kind of landscape in the land is that you might actually need to be at it for a while and, and you may need to be going through a ton of profiles before you actually find something that you go, yeah, you know, the, a connection might, may form here. Because I think that the challenge is that when you think about so much choice at your fingertips... I can even do geolocation so they're not too far from me. Like, how more convenient can this be? But actually, it's far from that. There's actually probably a pretty high investment in order to make a connection. So I think understanding that lay of the land is important, that you go, well, if I'm going to do this, I might have to be going through a ton of profiles and matches that don't really work out before I actually find something. Oh, don't tell me that, Jerry. There are too many options. What's going to make someone stand out from the pack? I find myself pining for the old days where I could meet someone familiar, like through a mutual friend or a past acquaintance. And it seems like the dating gods hear me. Because I'm standing up on the tram in the midst of a furious swiping session, zooming past all these hopeful faces, left, 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 when I get a ping of recognition. It's an old mate. Someone I once kissed at a party in 2001. Let's call him Poetry Guy. I swipe right. It'd be nice to chat. And he matches. Okay, so I have met someone, Mel. Woohoo! 
Okay, tell me everything. Okay, I know, it's fine. We've waited a long time for this. Uh, well, technically we have met before. Like, this is someone that I bashed uh, at a party once, in like 2001, I can't even remember. It was a long time ago. It was this really lovely night where we just kissed all night. Nothing since, like, I've not seen him since then. And he cropped up on the apps. Okay, so what's the go with this? Are you going to, like, date or is it a friends thing? And also, oh, my God, that is so random. I know, right? I mean, we've, we've, we've said, look, no strings, no expectations, let's just have a coffee. I, he's not after anything serious, which is great that he's communicating that. I mean, in that case, maybe you should just keep swiping, just in case, you know, have this, but shop around. Okay, it's a couple of months in and I finally got over my terror of sending likes to people. One of my friends said, you're not marrying them, Hillary. <laughs> you're just working out whether you could stand to have a coffee with them for an hour. I'm like, oh. So that was a useful thing because now I can just go, okay, what have I got to lose? I can just say hi to this person or send them a cheeky comment or something or ask them a question and that will be fine. There is no, you know, no no danger here. So I did that a few times and it was, it was really fun. But very few people are responding. There's a pang that hits you when you send out a clever line you've spent hours crafting just to get nothing. It's kind of embarrassing. I'm tired of matching with ghosts and flirting with the void. It's like casting a fishing line without bait. I mean, I would have thought I'm bait enough. I'm cute, aren't I? Don't I look good in that silver miniskirt? What's going on here? Why is no one talking to me? It seems a bit rude. I asked Tanya, what do we owe each other on the apps? Absolutely nothing is what I say. Uh, we need to hold lightly on the apps. Back in the day when the apps started, people were online and they were really seriously seeking to meet somebody for a relationship. And we knew that everybody there was serious. But today, everybody's got a couple of dating apps on their phone and they kind of pick them up like flicking through a magazine in the doctor's waiting room. So we need to understand that and hold lightly. Sometimes people are busy. Sometimes people are talking to quite a few people at once. Sometimes people find somebody and then fall off the dating site. Sometimes people have stuff going on in life. So you can't expect immediate returns or even a return. I once had a client who's a very smart man and he hunted somebody down who didn't respond to his email and, uh, and found a personal email address and contacted them. And I said, hey, you know, that would probably be considered stalking. And he was really shocked. He didn't understand it. He felt that he was really legitimately owed a response. And I was like, no, not really. You're on a site. People are connecting up here. Nobody owes you anything. Learn to hold lightly. You might be very excited about the thought of meeting that person, but you don't know how they feel about you keeping my expectations in check. Okay, I can do that. But I consider that I could be levelling up my bait. So I'm wondering if it's time for a profile makeover or maybe, you know, maybe I'm kind of approaching the wrong people, the people whose interests and mine do not overlap. It also occurred to me, am I putting constraints on the parts of me that I am showing, trying to kind of curate myself in a particular way? So I think I might need to put a bit more thought into that. Perhaps goofy ice cream face and political Halloween costume photos are putting out the wrong vibe. 
I want to show the best me, but also the most dateable me. But who is she? I decide to get some help from Mel. I show her what I've been working with, and she does not mince words. <laughs> I love I love you. I love you. You are a gorgeous human being. But what the actual hell are you doing? Oh, I was trying to be, like, both accurate and, I don't know, fun and me and appealing. What is wrong with these photos? What would you change? I mean, in all honesty, I would, like, show more than a small portion of your forehead in, right. in at least one of them. Okay. Look, I, I kind of feel like looking at these, I get it. I get the whole, they have to love me at my worst or I'm not interested. But this sort of feels like a go away <laughs> Do not come near me. You have so many beautiful pictures here I can see. Like, seriously, just do something that's actually representative of you, which is beautiful and interesting and smart and sexy. Come on. (laughs) This is what worries me. It's like if I put sexy out there, am I going to get long-term relationship? We're bringing sexy back, Hillary. Okay, all right. (laughs) We're bringing sexy back. So, Mel helps me select some sexier pics for my profile. One of me in a black jumpsuit, she says, looks sultry. And with my newly revamped profile, maybe I can get more responses. Okay, note to self, go slow. Don't get overwhelmed and don't be discouraged. Take your time, Harper. Feel the romance. Or the potential for romance, anyway. Though... I'm really enjoying having these low-expectation chats with Poetry Guy. It's making parts of my brain fire up that have been kind of dormant for some time. I know we're not dating, but it's really nice to connect in this way, to feel like someone's interested in my mind and what I have to say. And we're messaging a lot, most days now. I think I'm really enjoying having a new friend, a new relationship of some kind, to test out this new me with. Still, I hear Mel in the back of my head, back to the shops, I mean, apps. Oh, hello, it's a match. Someone I don't already know. A guy, we'll call him Van Man because he's travelling around in a van at the moment. Interesting lifestyle choice. Okay, he works with words, that's good. He doesn't live too far away and he's got quite a fun look about him. He's got a twinkle in his eye. Brown hair, average build, kind of cute, I guess. Can you really tell from the pictures? I reckon I could stand to find out. We chat for a bit about music, 90s indie rock, indulge in some wordplay, my favourite activity, and we hear a bit about each other's lives. He's pursuing a new project and hanging out with his adult kids and exploring the world a bit, it seems. I think this is actually going well. Maybe this is someone I could meet. I gather my courage up and suggest a date. It feels really scary, to be honest. But life's too short. What am I even on here for if not to actually meet some people? All of a sudden, though, this is starting to feel very real. Okay, so how do we take it offline? I asked Lisa Portolan. 
Look, I personally think that you definitely need to chat a little bit to figure out who this person is and if you have some sort of connection. And that comes from a safety perspective as well. You need to sort of make sure that you're meeting the legitimate person, that you're not being catfished, that there's nothing creepy going on in the background. I wouldn't say that there is a necessary time frame. You know, some people chat and they get a sense of someone within a day. Some people might need two weeks to chat or you know, more. But I think that you need to have the right kinds of feeling behind it to go on to that meeting. Okay, then. I think it feels right. He seems nice and interesting. But okay, it's been so long since I've done this and I'm pretty anxious. I really feel a bit like a teenager and not in a good way. Just will they like me? Will I like them? What if it's really horribly awkward? Where have all my social skills gone? I work in radio, for God's sake. Then there are the practical questions. Where do we go? How long for? Do I need an exit strategy? What do I even wear? I think uh, we need to look as if we're making an effort. You know, like you are important enough for me to take the time to get myself presentable. Uh, And I guess we really need to dress appropriate to whatever we've chosen to do. So if you're a casual kind of person, then let's not make a formal date because that feels like it's going to put a lot of extra pressure on that you don't need. Maybe a coffee date is good. Um, I'm always recommending for first dates that you pick something not very time consuming where there are other people moving about and that you can extricate yourself from. So don't commit to a three-course meal with someone you don't know because if it doesn't go very well, you've got a lot of time to traverse before you can thank them very much and depart. So maybe a cup of coffee or a drink at a bar. Have a plan something to do afterwards. and Because if the date's going really well, you can always have another date. It's not just about the one date. It's about setting ourselves up for an ongoing thing, hopefully. Okay, good advice from Tanya. Van Man and I settle on a walk around the park and I set a time limit. It's exciting. So I'm heading off for my first first date And I have realised I'm feeling quite jittery about it. I'm doing a lot of cleaning this morning Uh, and thinking a lot about my past relationships. I guess, you know, it's going to take a long time, I think, to have a 19-year relationship seem like more of a blip, less of a huge thing, like not the dominant feature of my life. And I think... I think it's really useful to have a first first date as a kind of a step on that path. But I have to say, I'm just trying really hard to think about this as a pleasant walk and a coffee and a chat and nothing more. I'd love to say that ends up being the case, but I actually get a bit more than I bargained for. You're not putting one relationship or some relationships above others. You treat all relationships as equal. There was some information missing from his profile. You know, I would love to believe that everybody um, tells the truth on dating apps. Uh, They don't. I kind of had this really visceral reaction afterwards. That's next time on Dated. Dated is a Life Matters series for ABC Radio National. This episode was written and produced by me and Nat Tenchich, who also did the editing. Our sound engineer is Matthew Crawford. Hayley Crane is our executive producer. And I'm Hilary Harper. First, first date, here I come.
Hey, if you're enjoying this series, listen to more of Life Matters. I explore the big things that matter in our lives, from sex and relationships to work, parenting and health, alongside Beverly Wang. Weekdays on ABC RN or catch up anytime on the ABC Listen app.